in association with the Agri Health Network, it's time for That Farm Life podcast, Planting Hope, Harvesting Strength. On That Farm Life, we talk about that life that is that of a farmer and their family. It's about the day-to-day grind, the good times, the tough times, and everything in between, because farming is more than a job, it's a way of life. And we're here to offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. Now, here's your host, a farmer, a former agri-business owner, and also the pastor of a Southern Baptist church in Arkansas, Archie Mason. Hey folks, this is Archie Mason. I'm the host of That Farm Life Podcast. We are so glad that you have uh, joined us today. As always, we're here creating that safe zone. So for those that are in the uh, farming industry, ag-related industry, we can talk about some of the stresses and strains of farm life and really come up with a lot of practical ways of how to deal with that. This podcast is a resource of the AgriHealth Network. So Check out our website at agrihealth.net for more resources, and you can read more about us. Now, today we're talking with Nathan Sanders. He's the VP and branch manager of Farm Credit Mid-South in Osceola, Arkansas. He's also a part of the advisory board for the AgriHealth Network. Hey, Nathan, thanks for being with us today. Uh, Thank you, Archie. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy. So, hey, why don't you share with the listeners out there, the podcast, a little bit about yourself and about your family? Okay. Well, I'm married to my high school sweetheart. We've been married 28 years. Her name is Jill. Um, graduated from a local high school, um, both Little Island Central. And I don't mind telling you, it's 1987. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we know exactly how old you are now. That's <laughs> yeah. And so uh, we went to college. She went to U of A. I went to ASU. And then after college, we just... Hey, now, let me just stop right there. So oh. your relationship lasted. You were in two different colleges. She was in University of Arkansas and you were... Arkansas State? It wasn't easy. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. Any ups and downs in that relationship? The highways weren't as good then as they are now. The drives weren't quite as pleasant and the phone bills were more expensive. (laughs) (laughs) It was was trying. We we wrote a lot of letters back then. You know, that's a lost art today, but Oh, we yeah. wrote a lot of letters to one another. Most of mine were done while I was in class, and hers were done you know, after class. Yeah, so you yeah, said you weren't paying attention then in class. You were <laughs> using a lot. So y'all graduated high school together and ended up two different colleges yeah. and then getting married. Well, she graduated after I did, so I won't tell you how many years after I okay. graduated. That way we keep her uh, age and honest. But anyway, yeah, but we had classes together in high school, and we we fell in love in high school, and then we went our separate ways for college. And once college was over, we realized, you know, this is serious. This relationship is deeper than just a high school fling, and neither one of us going to be happy without the other. This, yeah. uh, this, we need to make this happen. Oh, so wow. a couple, couple years after college, we got married. Yeah. So we've been married 28 years. Oh, wow. And we have, um, we have two sons. One's 25, and the other's 23, and they're both married now. Have a new grandbaby. Uh, She's yeah. uh, wonderful, eight weeks old and just wonderful. So we're starting that venture. Hey, there, there is nothing like those grandbabies now. I can tell you no. that. Well, let me ask you this. So did you grow up around farming or any type of agriculture? I did. I grew up on a farm uh, outside Monette. Throughout the 80s, the 80s were just difficult. The farm crisis is what it's called through the yeah. 80s. So I was... I was in grade school and junior high, 
and then in high school, most of my remembrance of being on the farm was hard work and no money and hard. And uh, you learned to work hard, not always because the payoff was good. You just worked hard and knowing that that was the only way it might work. And so we kind of learned that learned that sometimes you work hard and things don't turn out well, but you still have to work through those things. And so that's my uh, experience of growing up on a farm was we we worked the farm together as a family and um, experienced the difficulties of the farm to, together. Yeah, and I can imagine too, you know, which I'm I'm a little older than you are, but with my brother-in-law and my sisters, my, my dad worked for the Department of Agriculture, but I, I just worked, my sister was older than me, so I just worked on their farm. And those 80s were, I just had no idea what they were going through and experiencing, but you're right. And that that's a good lesson learned. It's a hard lesson, but worked hard, even though the outcome was not good. You just couldn't give up. You just had to, <laughs> hey, you had to, and it was dry. We hit a drought. We we were watering everything with that uh, pipe, you know, stainless steel pipe we carried around. And and uh, those are hard days. I guess I learned some tough lessons in that. But yeah, so a lot of times on the farm, that's what a lot of people don't understand about farming is you just can't give up and quit. And if you don't get it done, it's not going to get done or happen. And you just kind of, kind of keep, got to keep, you know, going through that. Right. So did you know then when you coming out of high school, you were kind of like, Hey, may not be staying on the farm, but I'm going to be in an ag related type business or something. Well, Archie, I wish I could tell you that that's what it was. (laughs) That was, this was my my long-term plan. This was it, but no, (laughs) kind of like you're called to farming nearly. It feels like it's a lifestyle that you love and you're just not going to be happy doing anything else. Um, and sort of, it's sort of like the ministry, I guess. If you can be happy and satisfied doing anything else, you should try that. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yes, sir. I've said that many times. Yeah. Before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think farming sort of the same way. And I just didn't have the passion for it. So I knew I had to go to college and get a degree to open up doors and just be up something I can do. I know I'm going to have a degree. So I went, got a business degree. And what I knew, though, was what it was like on a farm. And I not understood all the financial part of it at, at all at that point, but I did understand uh, the relationship uh, difficulties and just, I guess, how to communicate a lot too with the farm. Yeah. So you understood, you understood what it was like to, you had to work hard, but also in that, Hey, so at A-State you had Dr. Brinkley, didn't you? And he no, kind of, I was, <laughs> I was in the business department. So yeah. I, I, I did not. <laughs> yes, sir. Love. I'm asked that question a lot, but no. <laughs> hey. Uh, okay. So, Tell us a little bit about farm credit. Now, we've, we've got a lot of folks that, uh, you know, almost we're getting close to almost every listeners in every state and like 23 different countries. So and then we got a lot of folks who are outside the ag field. So just tell our listeners about uh, farm credit and kind of how you're involved with that. Well, the, the farm credit system was set up initially in 1916. Funds were needed throughout rural America. Capital was needed in rural America and their banks weren't located in rural America. It was recognized that there needed to be credit available to rural America for farming and for real estate and other things that had to take place for agriculture to exist. And so the farm credit system was started. It's kind of developed and morphed over the years. We're a cooperative that's uh, locally owned and then part of the farm credit mid south that I work for is just part of the farm credit system one one of the associations in the system so we loan money to farmers and anything has to do with agriculture and any rural or ag businesses or rural uh, development rural homes but it has to be rural has to have to do with agriculture for us loan money okay yeah 
So really, I don't, I don't guess I realize that even with homes or anything, basically agriculture or rural, I mean, someone's interested in that, they just uh, find out where their local office is. Uh, do people mainly do business in, a, in the locality of where farm credit may be located? Or, I mean, can someone in another yeah, well, state do and business? That's a good qu- yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Typically, that's what they way. It doesn't have to be that way, but typically that's the way it works. So. I work in LCO and we cover Mississippi County. So okay. anybody farms Mississippi County, they can come here or go to a different office. They're more comfortable, but typically that's the way it works. Okay. Okay. I didn't realize farm credit had been around since 1916. That was when it was originally created. And it's like I said, it's morphed and changed names maybe and structure. Yeah. Um, especially in the eighties, the eighties, was during the farm crisis, well, the farm credit system suffered greatly. Oh, yeah. And, um, I had to be reorganized and loans had to be made to bail the system out. They weren't, they weren't given money, but the system was given loans, temporary loans to get everything straightened back out. Yeah. Not only was the, the crisis in the 80s, uh, I really didn't think about that. I mean, it affected individual farm families. There were many farmers who end up losing I mean, it was a very difficult time, but also it affected farm credit affecting lending lending agencies. I really didn't think about that. Yeah. Yes. Let me ask you this, though, Nathan. Has there been any other? It's it's interesting. Has there been any other crisis you think in agriculture similar to since the '80s? There's been bits and pieces of the crisis. For instance, we've had yield issues. Now, this is a while ago, even now, but I can 98, 1998 here in our county, uh, the county was about 35% irrigated at the time. At first, the, it was dry that year. And then we got a huge rain in July and it knocked a lot of the squares off. You could literally drive down the highway and see cotton squares floating in the ditches. And that year was terrible as far as yield goes. So that, that was a yield problem that created a crisis in 98 for this area. Um, then we've had problems when prices drop. Interest rates have been low for a long time. There was a time that, uh, you know, you might pay 8% on a crop loan or 7% on a crop loan. So that that's not real high compared to the 80s, but it was a higher top interest rate. But the 80s had all of those things combined all into one big, perfect storm. High interest rates, commodity prices bad, yields were almost non-existent. Uh, I hear stories of people driving a combine all day and dumping once. Oh, wow. You know, they had to yeah. get they had to get the crop off. Yeah. So they had to, had to harvest it, but they never would dump. They, wow. I mean, it was just heart-wrenching. So I had all of those issues coming together at one time. And then land prices were at record highs at the time. Um, so all of that just created the perfect storm. So we've seen bits and pieces, like one part of that crisis in my career. and. Uh, have seemed to have weathered those. Well, the question would be then with, with what you've shared and what you've talked about and you described the eighties as a, the perfect storm, everything came together, the perfect bad storm really all came together. So how, cause there's a lot of things that affect crops and things out of our control and weather. Uh, I know, uh, you know, my son and I got some cattle, my wife and we're not in a road crop. So there's always something going on with those, or you can get a disease or virus can go through your herd, but, and it all affects the finances. So how can families plan ahead to kind of 
you know, so they can financially make it through maybe some uh, tough years. What would be your advice? I've heard it said that a farm that's ran like a business is a great lifestyle, but a farm ran like a lifestyle makes a terrible business. Yeah. So kind of going back even to the to the 80s and to the financial crisis, what came out of that was the structure and the more uh, detail about how to measure financials for agriculture. Uh, there's a thing called the Sweet 16. It's like the Sweet 16 med- financial measurements. So it's important for a farm business. I mean, most of those around here boil down to families. That's who it is. It's not, we can say it's a business, which it needs to be ran like a business, but it comes back down to these, these families that we're dealing with. Is that it's important that they take time or have someone that they want to hire to do this, to take time to put financials together at least annually after the crop's done, sit down and do a, a good financial analysis and of everything, see how they were on income, see where they are on their balance sheet, see where they are on their working capital, just those measurements that help determine how the farm's doing financially. I, I know in the cattle business, there is a, an organization or a conference, it's, it's called Ranching for Profit. I remember reading an article from that that it talked about most because the average cow herd in America is 50 or less. That's, you know, it's usually really small. And then there are a lot of folks, I know it's a different row crop farmer, but a lot of folks that are in the ranching business or small herd business, they, they're, you know, they have a job and, uh, but their job subsidizes their, their uh, hobby cow farm. Yeah. And, you know, it's always like, are you willing to pay to play uh, yeah. with the cows? And, uh, so I know that even uh, with my son and I, we talk about this. There's not a bunch of, you know, cows or anything like that, but we just kind of talk about, hey, you know, this thing has to, there has to be profitable. You know, you got to, there's a lot of inputs and then, yeah. you know, what's the cow market doing? And it's at a very small scale. And so I understand, you know, and you mentioned that about you can be, you got to know where your money's going, what you're spending it for, and is it profitable? And then how, you know, you know, can you, if you need to do something different, can you do something different to make it profitable? So, right. yeah, you know, right. I, you know, I was visiting with a guy the other day and he made the, he made the statement that I said, how did you survive? And he said, well, dad was very frugal, uh, to it, to put money aside to help him weather, uh, some of the storms. And, uh, right. and I heard that, uh, Mr. Coy was talking about his, his dad yeah. whenever the bee business went down. Oh yeah. He had been frugal in the good times and it's important. Like then that's, that's sort of where we're at. The way this look, the way this year looks, the way it's turning out, because the yields right now are phenomenal. It looks like it's going to be a great year in yield. Prices are higher than they've been in the last few years. Fertilized price has gone up now, but if you booked <laughs> if you booked early in the year and your expenses this year may be a little lower even than they've been, then they're probably going to be next year. Yeah. So that's why this year planning. You know, at the end of the year this year, before big financial decisions are made, they get in a financial statement put together and deciding how can we use this to set us up for the next five, 10 years so that when it turns, because it will, yeah, it, does. it does, it does. So when it does, I'm I'm set up. Well, kind of like Mr. Coy said, you know, we were set up to weather that storm that came. Yeah. And um, so decisions made really this year after that. The crops off. I'm saying January, February. There's going to be some need to be some decisions made on what to do with this bumper crop, 
some of it will be just build back working capital because it may have been burned the last few years yeah. with the commodity prices being down. Nathan, I think that's a great advice, you know, that you've given. And so hopefully uh, people will take that to heart. You said 28 years there in the business. So you've <laughs> yeah. seen a lot. What do you do in your life personally? You know, you're a lender. You manage that branch there. So what do you do to help you with stress? You know, when I was a, when I was a kid, nobody used the word stress. So you just ignored it for a long time. You just bear down. Um, but that's not a, the way to handle it. And I've learned to now what I do usually. I, I've got some great guys that are here in the office with me. I get up out of my desk chair or where I'm, wherever I am if I'm stressed, and I'll go spend some time with them. I'll talk to them. It might be about what I'm stressed about. It might not be. It might be something that they're stressed about that we talk about, you know, but just getting a dialogue started and letting, letting really let us help one another. Of course, there's other things I do. I, I play music, so I, I may play the guitar some, play on the guitar <laughs> if I need to, or I uh, shoot bows, do that. Of course, I get a lot of um, stress relief and comfort just reading the Bible. Yeah. Uh, go to passages that really speak to that and, and read it. Well, that was going to be my next question. How, how has your faith helped you, you know, in your job and in your life? You know, you're, you're a believer in Christ. So how does that, how's that helped you kind of work through these things? It's definitely foundational. So when things are not right, things aren't going well, there's a, <laughs> there's a foundation, or I guess you could say rock. There's a rock that I mean, you can stand on, that I can stand on uh, to help. In those times, the promises of God are stronger than anything we might come up against. So you, you lean on those promises that everything that I've experienced may not be good. <laughs> I may think it's terrible. It may be terrible, but the creator of the universe can cause them to work for my good because I love him. Yeah. And I'm called, and I'm called according to his purpose. You yeah. Know, so those are just foundational things that I have to lean on when things seem like they're bad. I'm often reminded too that, you know, uh, in, in the Bible, he, you know, we know the end of the story. And so we know how it all ends. You know, I'm all, I, I say this quite often, Hey, this, this world is not our home. You know, we're in this world This we make a living, we provide for our family, uh, but we're not immune to disease or pestilence. Uh, you know, it's not a joke. I told somebody the other day, I said, these army worms are wearing me out. I said, you know, uh, I'm yeah. out here spraying again. We're, we're way up in September and I, I'm out trying to kill a plague again, you know, and yeah. stuff. And I said, so we're not immune to those things, but, you know, I know the days in which we live, but this is where the Lord has us. And so yeah. I always go back to his word, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and just remember, Hey, he loves me and cares for me. Uh, but we live in a fallen world. And so I'm just reminded that as far, hey, in the years of farming, man, there's good years like so far this year, you know, with crops and yields. And then there's the there's the good times and the bad times. But his love for us, you know, never it never fails yeah. uh, in that. There's so much stress on our ag community as far as especially the farmers and having to be experts in so many different fields, having to be knowledgeable in so many different things. A lot of the stress at the very root of it is uh, financial. It's, it's like when you can say that just about maybe every American, maybe that money is, is causing us a lot of anxieties. But when it's your livelihood now growing in dirt and <laughs> you're um, relying on 
weather and the things that can affect your livelihood. That's another another level of it, probably. Typically, farmers they they enjoy the work and they enjoy the challenges of that. Maybe a an attack of army worms or some not the actually the army worms, but they enjoy solving the problem. They have to because that's they do it all day. They solve problems of all different nature all day long, and that's. But finances is is another issue, and the stress of it is usually a lot of times it's just the the never stopping to get the knowledge of it, or not un, maybe don't understand it, but just stopping and putting the financial statements together. Most farmers don't like office work, you know. They don't don't put me behind a desk and make me do office work, please. But that's so important that someone needs to do it for them. If they don't want to do it themselves, that's fine. Like, you know, understand the crop consulting business, of course, oh, yeah. and that, how a farmer relies on their consultant to give them information about their plants and what yeah. needs to be, the bugs, what needs to be treated. There's no hesitation in that and spend quite a bit of money for that service usually. Well, I encourage anyone that I talk to, look, just find you someone and I, they're probably going to charge you a little bit, but whoever it is or however it's done, just get it done at least annually. Take that stress off of you because the not knowing is so much worse probably than what you're imagining those conditions are. I've sat down with farmers many times to go over their financial statement for maybe a loan request and things aren't near as bad as they thought they were. <laughs> and farmers, they're not opposed to learning. So I usually teach, show them, look, this is what we're, this is what I'm seeing. This, this is not as bad as you think it is. And yeah, you could tweak this number here according to where you're falling, and that's okay. We can work on that. You can work on that. There's a lot of times where there'll be a hesitation for them to do that, for them to sit down and do the analysis and take the time to do that. And in that in itself creates stress, just the unknowns. Yeah. You know, Nathan, I think you brought up a great point. You know, most farmers are, hey, I can. I can do this myself. I'll save money if I do it myself. Mm-hmm. And I remember in the consulting business uh, back in the nineties, you know, and stuff is that the guys would say, Hey, look, we're paying you <laughs> to tell us what to do. And, you know, and the way you keep your job next year is you do a good job telling us what to do. And, uh, and we had a great relationship and, you know, hopefully 90% of the time I'd get it right. Sometimes I'd like, well, we missed that one. Yeah. You know, and those guys, we developed a relationship. Uh, and I, most farmers that tell me say, I don't have time to walk those fields and scout those fields out and, and give recommendations. I can see in the financial area, we're now uh, trying to keep up with everything. And, and so, yeah, I could see where relieving some of that stress would be, whether if it's your accountant or however that works or someone mm-hmm. that can just kind of help you say, hey, here's where you are. Here's how much you spent on urea. You're like, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, yeah. I've said that two or three times this year, the urea prize. I always go back. It's one of those hindsight. We could have yeah. bought it, you know. Uh, 300 a ton, you know, now it's twice that amount or whatever. Uh-huh. So, Hey, well, Nathan, Hey, thank you for good advice. And thank you for sharing uh, your story with us today. And uh, just sharing with us uh, kind of some ways of the stress and strain. And, you know, you made a, a statement, how do you relieve stress? And you said, Hey, just getting with some of the guys in the office and talking and talking through things. Uh, I want to remind that farming community out there, Hey, all of you have got a friend somewhere. You're, you know, you're in the same affiliation of the the ag world. And so it's real easy just to sit down and have a conversation with a buddy or someone say, hey, here's what's going on in my life. Maybe help me think through a better solution or better process. So, uh, Nathan, again, thank you 
uh, for sharing all that with us today. You bet. Thank you, Archie. Thank you all for this hey, uh, podcast. Yes, sir. Hey, whether you guys out there, whether you work on a farm or in office, you take Nathan's 28 years at Farm Credit, you know, we all have days or seasons that sometimes they don't go uh, as planned. Now, reminded of a scripture verse in John 16, uh, 33, Jesus told his disciples, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome uh, the world. When we go through these times of trouble, we are never alone. God is always with us. Nathan has uh, pointed this out. Hey, if you ever have any questions, spiritual questions, uh, want some more insight, feel free to reach out to us here at info at agrihealth.net. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast today. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back and next week. And until then, keep farming and keep the faith. You've been listening to That Farm Life Podcast, planting hope, harvesting strength with your host, Archie Mason. That Farm Life Podcast is a creation of the Agri-Health Network in conjunction with Grounded Faith Ministries, where we offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. You can learn more about who we are and what we do on our website at agrihealth.net. That's agrihealth, one word, dot net. Thanks for listening, and until next week, keep the faith.